And I'm Jesse Fuchs. Welcome to Jason Chica Plays Dark Souls. Yes, and uh, this is our second episode. Uh, our first episode is not actually on the air yet, so you have not heard it. Uh, but in our first episode, uh, we have gotten uh, Jason all the way through the Undead Asylum and are leading off to Lord Ram. Uh, how are you doing, Jason? Oh, uh, uh, terrible. <laughs> as as oh. just about <laughs> to tell you, I've been waking up at 5.30 every morning for the past four days because Uh-oh. Um, I got my kid, uh, I got my six-year-old an advent calendar for Christmas uh-huh. and I told him uh, he can't open the doors until uh, the next day. So he wants to wake up at five thirty in the morning and uh, and open the doors to get his uh, to get his chocolate. Wow, it really is like Christmas Day all through December for you, where the kid wakes you up at five in the morning because that is the incentive you have set. <laughs> See, I uh, and my cat son uh, that I uh, have had for the last few months, uh, I, I took the advice of our mutual friend Tim Kreider uh, to never ever feed him. Uh, as soon as I get up, because then he will he will understand that if he gets me up, he gets food. Um, and yeah, yeah, you're you're setting incentives for Kazuo that are going to have repercussions. Yeah, I, uh, my wife called. Yeah, my wife my wife woke up at five thirty this morning and said, "This is the month of hell." <laughs> <laughs> I regret ever buying this advent calendar. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying on my end it, it's worked in the sl- – well, I mean, it's worked in that I don't get woken up for food, but I still get the occasional claw on the back at four in the morning just for the <laughs> hell of it. So, you know, uh, there's not much you can do about it. Um, someday science will come up with the perfect blend of, of uh, cat son and human son uh, who will do neither <laughs> of these things. Um but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, on my end, uh, finishing up classes, last few weeks of that. Uh, and that's, that's going nice. And yeah, just making sure, uh, Clancy, my, uh, he's about five months old now. So he's, he's getting, he, he's been upgraded from frisky to feisty and, uh, just making sure he doesn't get in any trouble. Uh, making sure that, you know, if I go out, I put on some smooth jazz, uh, on the, uh, speaker so that he, you know, gets educated and doesn't feel lonely. Uh, all those sorts of things. Um, buying ridiculous toys. <laughs> so the the listeners at home, uh, when you say classes, they they probably don't know if you're a teacher or a student. Uh, little of both. I like to think of myself as a player coach, like Pete Rose. Uh, I'm actually yeah, I'm teaching two classes. I teach uh, at the NYU Game Center, and so this semester I'm teaching uh, Intro to Game Design twice, uh, and I'm auditing slash kind of being a fake TA. Uh, for Gil Hova, who's an excellent board game designer, is, is sort of visiting and teaching a, uh, a sort of advanced, mod- very cutting-edge board game class. Uh, the semester-long assignment uh, is for every group to play a legacy game, one of those newfangled uh, board games where every time you play it, you, like, marker up the board or do something to permanently alter it. Um, so that's been really interesting. We've, uh, my group has been playing Charterstone, uh, which is uh, kind of a Euro-y worker placement uh, legacy game. And it's it's a mixed bag, but we're, we enjoy a lot of it. Um, and yeah, playing a lot of really interesting um, app-assisted games, uh, games where, uh, hard to describe uh, off the top of my head, uh, The Mind is a game definitely worth looking up. It's like this very fast little party game 
uh, where basically you just have to be in sync with the other players. Uh, you get a deck of cards from one to a hundred. You're each dealt a hand. Uh, and all you have to do is play the cards in ascending order, but you're not allowed to verbally communicate. Wait, I don't understand. How, how do you... Through the mind! <laughs> you have to do it through the mind! Okay. Uh, or through pausing, you know, like, let's say, it, it, uh, in the first round we each get one card, in the second round we each get two cards, etc., etc. Let's say it's, you know, round one, uh, and I've got the number 35, and you have the number 72. Right, I'm gonna kind of look at you uh, and be like, "Yeah, yeah," like you know, pretty low. Like, should I play this? Should I play this? Like, but it's not so low that I'm gonna like be forceful about it. And then you're gonna look at me, and you've got a, a relatively high number, uh, and you're gonna kind of maybe pull it back a little bit, or sort of you know, arch your eyebrow at me, and then hopefully I play mine, and then you play yours. Oh, um, okay. And of course, it gets more because the hands get bigger, and uh, there's there's wrinkles to it, but that's the essence of it. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's very simple and clever. It's a little like, I don't know if you ever played Hanabi, uh, but a little like just stripping down to the essence of that game almost. Um, and yeah, very, uh, it's, it's, it was apparently the hot game at Essen this uh, fall, which is the big uh, board game uh, show convention in Germany every fall. Oh, okay. Kato loves... Castle loves the European games, I, I should add. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one, uh, I would recommend picking that up. That is a good family game. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's no reason uh, a six-year-old couldn't play it as well as an adult. I mean, everyone sucks at it, but uh, until they, you know, master the mind. Um, so yeah, there's my my uh, tabletop recommendation for the, uh, for the, the day. Um how have you? So we're 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 gonna get you a controller, which I'm very excited about. But have you played any more of the game since we last talked? Just so I'm up on where you are. Uh, yes, I have. I've I've uh, I've made an ex- exciting bit of progress, uh, which we could talk about later. Excellent. Okay, we'll save that. But yes, I have defeated a a, a major character in the uh, in the game. Oh my gosh! Well, that's that is exciting. <laughs> um, I, I I hope I know who that is. I hope it's not just an NPC that you found or something. <laughs> you know, I, this guy's selling stuff too expensive. Uh, um, I mean, you can do that, but I will. I mean, one one overarching tip I'll give you is that um, it's very difficult to break your game of Dark Souls in the sense of put yourself in an unwinnable situation. But attacking certain NPCs is a little close to that, like the the. The dude at Firelink Shrine that we'll be talking about. If you're kind of weak and you and you aggravate him, he will still be angry at you after you die and come back. Uh, and you know he's not a pushover. Uh, and I've had I've, people have just given up at that point and started over because they're like, "Well, I, I don't want to deal with this." But otherwise, you know, die to your heart's content. Okay, I. <laughs> um. Yeah, I. Uh, it's interesting. We'll uh, we'll talk about this later. But I thought I had. Uh... I had put my game into an uh, unwinnable state uh, when I got to Firelink Shrine, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I actually discovered that uh, I did not. There's a way to reverse this thing, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, I was thinking, before we get into it, I haven't, uh, and our listeners actually haven't heard about how you first came to hear about and play Dark Souls. Ah, yes, um... It's a, a well. It actually does kind of have to do with starting to work at the NYU Game Center, which I started at in I think 2010. I kind of gradually 
you know, taught uh, one, not a class, but like a literal uh, le- one lecture, one semester, came in kind of as a, a TA the next semester, et cetera, et cetera. So 2010 to 2011 to 2012. And uh, in that period, uh, I, I owned a Nintendo Wii, uh, but I was mostly doing tabletop gaming stuff. Uh, and in fact, was a little askance at the current generation of like PlayStation, Xbox stuff of just, you know, Uncharted looked cool and all of that, but just then Gears of War and et cetera. But it just didn't seem for me like I was perfectly content playing some Mario Kart, um, you know, playing a little Wii Tennis or whatever. Uh, but I do, you know, I like the crunchier games. So on the Wii, uh, Monster Hunter uh, came out for it, which I don't know if you're familiar with that game. That's a long running series. Uh Long-running series about going around and beating up on big monsters. Uh, more beasts, really, than monsters. Like, part of the appeal of it is they're kind of all vaguely biological. You know, you know, like, their abilities are not exactly plausible, but, like, not exactly supernatural either. More like kind of big, weird dragon rocks that maybe breathe fire, but, like, clearly have a flint in their beak that you can smash or something like that. Um, and so I played a bunch of that game. Uh, liked it, went on to play others in the series, but uh, people at the game series were saying, oh, you know, if you like Monster Hunter, you should definitely check out Dark Souls. If you like that kind of uh, moderately, you know, mid-tempo, deliberate combat, but still an action game, but not super twitchy uh, and and sort of unforgiving in a sense of, like, it wants you to learn its systems and uh, it's not going to handhold you too much and, you know, seems intelligent in some way. Um... And yeah, that, that kind of, I had just kept that in the back of my head. And then, and I guess, uh, pretty late, uh, 2013, I finally, the PS3 was on sale at one point and I was like, that I should, I should know about this end of stuff. Um, and I picked it up along with copies of Dark Souls and Demon Souls. Uh, and, uh, I don't know if I even bought any other games. I basically played those two for the first, uh, couple of months I had it. Um, and yeah, it definitely kind of brought me back into looking at kind of major console games uh, outside of Nintendo uh, and at least having having an interest in what was coming out and definitely came at the right time for me. Now at the Game Center, I do a lot more uh, stuff involving, you know, talking about uh, modern video games and certainly my students, you know, it's, it's easy to uh, bring up examples with them if you actually play the games from the last five years. Um, but yeah, I really think that uh, Dark Souls was my sort of introduction to the modern gaming scene in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, I just kind of fell in love with it pretty immediately. Like I kind of knew uh, going in what kind of game it was supposed to be. Um, and I didn't find it as difficult. I found it difficult and I died a lot, uh, but I didn't find it that frustrating um, because as we'll, we'll get into when we talk about your experience with the graveyard, uh, I guess I kind of had the, the the right mindset going in of like, um, just sort of stay low, keep your shield up. And like, if you're having trouble, look for something else. Um, and, you know, that got me pretty far into the game. I did end up, you know, looking up some stuff online when I would get stuck later on. Uh, so I did go through it completely blind. And, you know, I, I didn't take it. Um, I'm not going to say I didn't take it seriously, but like I wasn't going to beat myself up and super frustrate myself. Uh, I'm not going to take 20 years like you are with hitchhikers. Uh, I was just going to be like, okay, well, I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do here. I'll Google it. Um, but yeah, I had a grand old time and I've played uh, each of those games, Demon Souls and Dark Souls, 
through completely at least three or four times and then a oh, bunch, wow. like a half dozen more where, you know, I tried out a different build and got some ways into it. In Dark Souls, I can I can do a decent speed run of like kind of the first chunk of the game. Uh, and then after that, I just kind of give up. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the one game I would say where, you know, I kind of know it, as they say, backwards and forwards. Like I definitely can... Uh, if you mention a place, I can pretty much tell you what's there, where the enemies are, et cetera, et cetera, because, yeah, it's, it's, it's embedded in my mind by now. And it's probably the only game, you know, big game of the modern era that I can say that about. Um, and let's see, have you played any uh, other sort of modern modern games that are similar to Dark Souls? Yeah, no, since then I've, I've played a bunch and I certainly dabble in a bunch, but I do think it's interesting that, you know, Dark Souls has this uh, reputation of being difficult and I've finished it multiple times and most games i do not most games you know i get five or ten hours into it uh and then uh you know i get stuck on something and i could probably get past it if i kept trying or you know looked it up or whatever and i just kind of give up um i mean part of that's that i can borrow stuff from the game center library so there's not a lot of commitment and i am sort of dabbling um but yeah no i mean but certainly indie games uh you know shorter games i'll i'll play all the way through and i try to play as much uh just different stuff as i can uh whatever games you know the students are really you know i played uh, night in the woods which i really enjoyed um and partially because just so many students were talking about how great it was um i've had hellblade on my ps4 for the last six months and keep meaning to play it because a lot of my students really love it um so yeah it's, it's a good impetus to sort of just keep up on what's going on all right uh well i should uh i should say that uh the first time i heard about dark souls was from you uh Ah. it it was probably in the i guess the 2000 uh 2012 2013 uh era but uh i remember you telling me about it and i was uh it sounded super interesting and uh, our mutual friend, Ben Catmull, had a copy. So I think I went to his house uh, and asked him uh, if, I could, uh, if I could play it uh, on, his, uh, on his PlayStation. And uh, I think um, I remember uh, I remember it was, uh, it was kind of intimidating because I think the first thing he showed me was the, you know, the giant wall of numbers and letters. Um, and then I think he gave me the controller and I, I walked off the edge of a cliff or something. Um, and then he, he played it for a while and then some, uh, I guess another player online appeared out of nowhere and destroyed Mm. Ben in about two seconds. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so I remember, I remember my first impressions were, uh, were that, you know, I was kind of intimidated by the game. But, um, and then I guess, uh, you know, uh, whatever, six years later, um, I heard, uh, I heard on the Retronauts podcast that, uh, that the, that the game, that the game is not actually as hard as everyone says it is. Um, and that if you can, you know, if, uh, if, if you can beat the Legend of Zelda, uh, then, uh, then you can, you can beat this game as well. Yeah, that seems both like a fair comparison in terms of difficulty that it's right. Both Zelda and Dark Souls, I think, are pretty hard games and, and, and you know, uh, obscure in certain ways, but they're not they're not super twitchy. 
right? They're not games where you have to have split second timing or memorize big combos or do other, uh, you know, high level execution. You know, I'm not very good at fighting games. Um, right. Monster Hunter is probably, yeah, Spelunky is a game that I'm, you know, I've poked at for like, you know, probably played 20 or 30 hours at least uh, on the subway because it's a great Vita game, but I've never gotten through it all. Um, and that game I would consider, in, you know, uh, it's it's hard to say what difficulty even is, uh, but I would consider, you know, I haven't finished Spelunky and I did finish Dark Souls, so there you have it. Um, and yeah, I mean, one difference, of course, Spelunky is a roguelike and Dark Souls, um, you know, we'll talk sort of about the risk reward of it in terms of losing your souls. Uh, but for instance, you never lose any items in Dark Souls, right? There's... Uh, once you grab a thing, you, oh. you know, if you find a ring, you've got that ring. Wait, okay, so this means this rubbish I'm carrying around, I'm carrying around forever? No, you can drop things. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, actually, I'm not, I, yeah, yeah, you can drop things. Uh, you just, I'm just saying, uh, part of the penalty of die I see. is never that you lose uh, any of your items, right? Right. Uh, or stats or anything like that. Um, and there's no, you know, thief character or something that might steal stuff from you or whatever. Um, it's all about, you know, and if, and if you, um, have zero souls to your name and you died recently, so you don't have a blood stain that you could pick up with more souls, it's actually kind of freeing, right? Because you basically at that point have no stakes whatsoever. If you die, you just go back to the checkpoint, the bonfire, and that's the only real penalty. Right. You've got nothing to lose. Exactly. So keep that in mind. That that uh, people sometimes are a little too risk averse, and because uh, because that system isn't necessarily apparent. But yeah, if you're if you're looking like beef jerky and you have zero souls, uh, jump off things and just see what happens. <laughs> or you know, if you're somewhere you don't want to be and you want to get back to the checkpoint, just die. Uh, I've done that plenty of times. In fact, you have an item, the dark sign, um, that will just kill you. It's an item that you start with along with some obscure online stuff that we'll maybe talk about later uh, that people basically ignore. But yeah, it's basically there for that. Um, if you just want to blink back to your last checkpoint, just kill yourself. Uh, and if anyone's read Demon, you should be very comfortable with this uh, sort of gaming of that of mortality. Oh, yes. Thanks for the cross-promotion. Of course. No, it's all, <laughs> it's all set in the same universe, I assume. Um all right, so let's, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, uh-oh, just a sec. A cat is highlighting something. Um, okay, things seem fine. Uh, he, As I said, he has been recently upgraded from frisky to feisty and uh, is now chewing on a thing, so we may be hearing from him in the future. Um, but, all right, until that happens, where we last left our hero, incidentally, what is the name of our hero? Is uh, it Jason? His name is Jason. <laughs> it was my first guess. Um, Jason the Thief. Uh, he is. He has just defeated the Asylum Demon, uh, which I did have right, and then I doubted. Uh, and uh, and you went with the big Pilgrim's key, and I think basically we didn't actually talk about the big crow that grabs you. That's right. Um, so how did you feel about that? Oh, uh, well, you know, uh, honestly, I'm I'm kind of impatient uh, when it comes to the. Uh, the scenes where you don't get to play. Uh, That's fair. But yeah, uh, you know, uh, I like, uh, you know, getting to fly over the 
the city and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of get a peek at, uh, what, you know, the terrain that was to lie ahead. Yep. And all of that that you see in that cutscene is actually, you know, you will, you will be exploring all of that. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, well, you know, the good news is that there are very, as I said, this is a very cutscene-like kind of game compared to most modern games. So you won't be having to skip through too much. But when one does come up, give it a chance. They're generally not longer than like 10 or 15 seconds. So you're not going to have to like, you will not be sitting there uh, just watching someone talk at you. You might be sitting there listening to someone talk at you. But that's a within game, you know, within game thing like with uh, Crestfallen Warrior, who you meet as soon as you land in Firewind Shrine. Right. Oh, uh, speaking of which, was is do you know if this is the same narrator from the uh, from the opening cutscene? It it sounds like a a similar zombie woman who is uh, who's narrating this. Uh, yeah, I think I, I I mean in the literal sense of I assume that's the same voice actress, right? That that uh, uh, that person is extra textual, I guess. They're not as far as I know any sort of actual character in the story. They are just literally a narrator. Okay, so I I don't get to uh, I don't get to fight and defeat this narrator at the end. No, no. Although if they ever make Dark Souls four, maybe it will inevitably have to be that meta. Um, but no, so far it is right. We'll we'll actually talk about this uh, also in terms of the weird way that it, it Dark Souls puts its narrative into the item descriptions. I don't know if you've actually looked at any of your items and noticed they often have little sort of gnomic or pithy descriptions to them that occasionally hint at, you know, like, this sword belonged to Hrothgar. I'm making that up. But, yeah, if you want to learn more about the world you're in, weirdly, a lot of it is in the descriptions of the items, and it's very unclear. Like, again, the 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 writer of those item descriptions seems to be an extra-textual character. Um, you never actually find out who's writing all these things. Or okay. really how you're reading them. Okay. It, it could be the same narrator. It could be. This is the grand, good, good. We already have a grand conspiracy theory uh, for this game. Um, so, so right. So you land so, in, yeah, in so Lord the, Ran. Yeah, this giant, this giant crow comes and, uh, and takes me to uh, what the narrator says is the, the land of the lords. Lord land. Yes. <laughs> May as well be. It's Lord Rand, but I think Lord land is is a perfectly cromulent name for it. And, uh, and I guess the, the crow drops me off at the Firelink Shrine. Yes, or what is, I guess, left of it, because it's not much of a shrine. It's more of a, an area. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I know it's been a little while since you've played through this section, and certainly, as we get, uh, do episodes where it's, like, stuff you've done much more fresh, I'll let you take the lead on, you know, what was there and what happened. Uh, but how, yeah, how well do you remember your initial impressions of that, of that first area? Especially because it's the, I don't know if it's the first time there's in-game music, but it's certainly the most arresting in-game music you all have encountered so far. Uh, well, let's see. I, um, I remember, uh, so I think I told you, uh, I kind of have a problem, uh, with 3D games, um, where I keep walking into walls. Um, or get stuck in mm-hmm. corners. So it was it was nice to be out in an open area where uh, where I did not have that problem. So right away I was I was happy to be in Lord Lord Rand. 
in the uh, in the Firelink in the Firelink Shrine where there were no corners to get stuck in. Yeah, and uh, and you do get your one piece of like just text ever. I think in the game where they actually give you an instruction that's not a message on the ground, which is like in Lord Ran, level up and something at bonfires, Kindle at bonfires. Right. Um, did you, yeah, did you try leveling up? Did you go into the stat wall? Uh, I did not. I, I must have ignored that message uh, because I didn't figure out how to level up until much, much later in the game. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so you look around. There's the guy sitting there. Did oh, you talk to him initially? or I did. Uh, I think that was the first thing I did. And uh, I remember... Uh, I guess he's the guy who told me that there were actually two bells that I need to ring to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember, uh, well, one one thing I liked is, uh, I can't remember the exact names of the places, but he said one of the bells is, you know, up on the highest mountain and the other bell is down in the lowest valley. Uh, so, so right at, you know, right there, uh, you know, I had kind of, uh, uh, two goals for myself. Uh, I could kind of see, um, the place I was on was kind of on the side of a mountain, uh, right next to a gorge. So I could kind of choose to work my way up or choose to, uh, choose to go down. And, uh, because it was, uh, kind of right on the edge of the gorge, I could, uh, I could kind of peer down and look at uh, what looked like a walled city down below. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, that place, even if you don't have difficulty with uh, 3D games, can be pretty confusing. And I know you found you found the graveyard before you found the aqueduct. Yes. Um, did you find any other ways out of Firelink? Uh, I did. Uh, so uh, I kind of alluded to this earlier. But um, kind of right near the bonfire, there's uh, there's a circular staircase that kind of goes down along the mm-hmm. uh, the edge of the mountain, and uh, it uh, I went down that, and uh, it kind of winds its way down the side of the mountain and led to uh, what I thought at the time was a bottomless pit. Um, <laughs> It was. Uh, it wasn't bottomless at first. It was covered, and then I must have triggered something, and then the the cover fell down. And uh, there was a message uh, that when I read it, it said something like, "Try jumping down." And then <laughs> I jumped down to my death. Yeah. So so good. Uh, I forgot to ask if you were online, and that answers that question. Uh, because yeah, the messages in the initial asylum are all just left by the developers. You know, use this button to attack or whatever. Um, but all the messages you encounter from now on will be left by other players. Oh, I see. And so. some will be helpful, <laughs> and some will be not as helpful. Oh uh, well. <laughs> So this is this is why I thought I initially had broken the game, because uh, when I when I died and reappeared at the bonfire, I thought, oh, this time, uh, when I go down, I'm gonna stand on this cover, and then maybe it'll be an elevator that can take me down. Except when I returned there, uh, the cover was missing, and uh, I I jumped down again and died again. <laughs> okay, and I. 
uh, did you pick up your bloodstain, or is that probably the moment where you lost your Asylum Demon Souls? Uh, I think that was probably the moment where I lost my Asylum Demon Souls. Uh, so I, I didn't figure out the bloodstain until much later in the game. Gotcha. Um, so a retroactive learning experience. Yes. Uh, did, you, did you ever go back down that way again? Did you figure out the, the puzzle of the missing uh, manhole cover? Uh, yes, but, but much later. Not until, not until well after I'd explored uh, the undead berg. All right, so we'll save that. We'll save if, uh, if people have not played through the game. We'll, we'll save the, the solution to the puzzle. They can bring their hands over it. Um, <laughs> so, so then you, uh, I assume, well, you didn't go back up the stairs because you died and went back to the bonfire. That's right. Um, and then did you try just poking around? There's a lot of, I mean, Fireling Shrine's interesting because there's, um, there's a funny thing that it does that is a very common video game thing, but I always think this is a perfect example of the uh, moderately nice item that lets you know this is a dead end, right? That there's a lot of like nooks and crannies, and in a lot of them, you you find one of those shiny wisps, you know, the little wisp where you don't you don't know what it is, but you know it's something, um, and you pick it up, and you're like, that ah, this is fine, um, you know, here's five fire bombs or whatever, right? And that's exactly the kind of item where the game is kind of saying, okay, you know, we're not going to make you feel dumb for going this way. Uh, but, you know, give up now. Uh, like, that's it. You got your thing. Um, and uh, and they play with that later on in the game. So I just want to kind of point that out now. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I mean, did you find various uh, doodads throughout the shrine? Uh, I did. I You know, if I found, like, a treasure chest, I would, you know, open it and take whatever was inside. And, uh, yeah, I've, you know... Uh, I forget exactly what I found, but uh, yeah. But stuff. Yeah. I found a bunch of stuff. Oh, and I met uh, I met another character in the shrine. Uh, oh, right. But he did not want to talk to me, so I let him be. Ah, oh, you were polite. That was a mistake. Should I have? Uh, should I? Should I have come well, down with my uh, bandits? No, 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 no. It was not. It was not a, a mistake relative to that. Uh, it was the right move relative to that. No, I will say that, um, right, th this game's pretty, like, there's not, you know, uh, deep NPC interaction. You never choose what you're going to say to them, except occasionally, like, yes or no, like with, uh, you know, Oscar the Knight at the beginning. Um, but I would recommend basically talk to every, you know, hit X or whatever and talk to every NPC over and over until they start repeating themselves. Um because they will tell you more stuff. And yeah, that guy, if you wear down his resistance a little, um, he will do stuff that you might be interested in, or at least is worth knowing about. Okay. Um, no one will ever attack you just for talking to them. I don't think. <laughs> okay. I will, I will keep pestering him until. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Until he and he's, it's pretty funny what you do because he's, he's, he's clearly not like looking forward to you talking to him, but he's like, well, you know, I got nothing better. Um, so, yeah, so there's that guy. Uh, Petrus, I think his name is, the, the priest. Um, yeah, any other interesting things you found in the shrine before we talk about what I assume was your next destination, the graveyard? Well, I did uh, I did not see the, the pathway to the aqueduct. Um, I'll talk about what I didn't see. 
And mm-hmm. I went there recently to uh, to kind of retrace my steps, and I noticed there was a tree right in front of that pathway. So it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit obscured. Um, yep. So, uh, but uh, yeah, and the the oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say. On the other hand, there's uh, there's some writing uh, kind of leading up to the pathway, so it, maybe it wasn't that obscured. Uh, so writing messages left by other players that are like, go this way, or said yeah. something. Yeah, like, good luck, or something like right, that. Right, right. Um, yeah, that is, I mean, that's definitely one use of those messages, is looking out for them, uh, in terms of just, oh, there's a way to go here. There is something, yeah, I mean, uh, if Dark Souls ever ends up, I don't know how this would work in VR or whatever, but just like that 3D space in actual 3D, um, I missed it, and a lot of people missed uh, that aqueduct at first, and there is something just sort of, the color scheme is kind of the same uh, as Firelink Shrine, and it's, yeah, there's just something easy to miss about it. It's very funny, because once you've, you know, played the game enough, you can't possibly imagine missing it, but I know, yeah, I I definitely went to the graveyard first, uh, because you go into that sort of, the, the shriney area, you know, with the pool, uh, and then you notice, oh, behind that, there's some stairs and some graves, and I bet there's all, and there's some shinies, right? You can definitely see uh, that there's treasure in that graveyard. But uh, I, that's not actually the way I found the graveyard. Oh. Uh, I, uh, I guess I was, uh, I'd given up on ever, ever getting, you know, down to the lowest depths. So I thought I would uh, try to try to climb up to the top of this uh, this mountain. And so I went up the stairs, as far as I could go up the stairs. And uh, that led me to the ruins of some old building, and there were two doors. And uh, I forget which one I took first, but uh, I just chose one at random. And it, dro- it led to a drop. And... Uh, I kind of worked my way back out of the building, and it led to uh, another clearing, and I eventually uh, walked around, I think, a wall, and that led me to the graveyard with the skeletons. So were there a bunch of treasure chests in that area? There were. Ah, so right. So you found, that's a, uh, yeah, I missed that the first time I played the game uh, until much later, Uh, but you found the little stash of... Oh, there's like a morning star in there. There's there's a bunch of weird items that you might not even know what they do yet. But uh, homeward bones uh, can be very useful. So you might want to read that description at some point. Um, but yeah, okay. So that's excellent that you 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 explored uh, very well to find that. And uh, then right, and then that tumbles you into the graveyard. Yes. And uh, and that's where I, I encountered the skeletons. And how did that go? Uh. Well, uh, the skeletons were very difficult to uh, to defeat. Um, I I think uh, I think uh, there were two of them uh, initially, and uh, and you know I thought I could just uh, you know cut them with my dagger, but uh, but they they defeated me almost immediately. Yep. Um, they're, they're pretty tough, especially with your, yeah, with your current setup. Um, I will say that, that, uh, you don't have to worry too much about, like, 
fiddly, like, oh, this weapon is, you know, sharp, so it works against this, but not against this type stuff in this game. But there is a little of that, and that uh, one of the things you found in those chests was a morning star, um, which is, you know, a big mace, basically. Um, so that, you know, you're still going to have a lot of trouble with them, but if you have a hankering for revenge sometime soon, uh, you should have a weapon that's at least better than the knife uh, to deal with them. Ah. Um, yeah, I, I should have thought to equip it, but, uh, I, at this point in the game, I hadn't learned about equipping things, different, yes. uh, different weapons. The joy of menus. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I was, I was more anxious to, you know, kind of walk around and start playing the game than, uh, you know, than figuring out the, the menus and the, uh, you know, what all the different numbers mean. Um, but, uh, but I think, um, I, uh, I immediately went back the exact same way up the stairs, down through the, uh, through the drop and around the thing. Uh, to find the graveyard again. And I was defeated once again by the skeletons. And uh, it was it was very discouraging because they're uh, the first and what I thought was the, uh, you know, the only uh, enemy. And uh, I think I mentioned to you in uh, The Legend of Zelda, the skeletons are the easiest uh, enemies to defeat. Yes, they are chumps. And here they are not. I mean, they they're, they end up being chumps, but they're definitely hard chumps. Um, even even when you're high level, they can, you know, they, they can stymie you. And yeah, they're... It's interesting because the way that they're animated, I feel like, does sort of convey that they're not... Like, you do encounter those, um, the hollows in uh, the Undead Asylum, who are just sort of lumbering at you. And, like, they can do a lot of damage, and they do that kind of, like, wild swing sometimes where, you know, if you're not careful, they'll cut you down. Uh, but they're clearly just kind of, you know, uh, dazed. Uh, and the skeletons are like those Ray Harryhausen uh, Sinbad kind of skeletons, where they're really, you know, jaunty. Um, and definitely, you know, they, they know what they're doing and they like it. saying uh i guess the um in the legend of zelda the skeletons are the easiest enemy to defeat uh so that had me a little thrown off when uh uh i guess these skeletons were so difficult yes but these skeletons are clearly more intelligent than the ones in zelda and the way you can tell is that when they put themselves together 
they tap themselves on the top of the head to make sure their head does not come off. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but they give themselves a little pat. Just like it's like when you're leaving the house, you check for your keys. It's absolutely adorable and is one of the moments where I fell in love with this game, even though uh, they kept killing me over and over. Um, so actually, uh, you probably uh, know more about this, but is um, in uh, in video games since Legend of Zelda, are skeletons traditionally uh, weak or are they uh, or can they be anything? Yeah, no, I think. I mean, I think that's what's kind of interesting about the Dark Souls skeletons is they are, they kind of manage to conform to that while not actually being weak. Like, I don't, you know, they're still, they're still chumps, right? They're still little enemies, um, and they can do a lot of damage, but they're pretty easily blocked with your shield, um, if you have a bigger shield than the thief starts with. Um, and, uh... No, I don't. I think skeletons are generally considered kind of, you know, uh, level one and a half kind of enemies in most video games. I can't think of anywhere there. I mean, you, you know, there are big skeletons, uh, and those are harder. Um, but beyond that, no, no, these are, yeah, these, these, an interesting case, uh, as usual, of Dark Souls kind of breaking the rules a little while still kind of obeying them and still being in the kind of, you know, generic fantasy wheelhouse while having its own twist on it. Right. Yeah, if you get a big club, they're not that tough. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're skeletons. Right. They don't like clubs. That's their that's their kryptonite is a big big log basically. Right. That and swimming, as I learned from uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Oh yes, yes. Uh, which these skeletons were clearly imported from. So so you you right. And then uh, the the impetus for starting this podcast pretty much was you emailing me at that point. Yes. But before I get to this email, I should I should say that I you know, I I I I was very diligent about uh, you know, trying to defeat these skeletons. I didn't, you know, I didn't I didn't want to give up just after, you know, a couple tries. Uh so, you know, I But at this point you had spent two or three weeks, right, playing this game, so you were you were right. in. I was, and uh, I must, yeah, I must have, I must have spent a week trying to get past this, uh, you know, this graveyard of skeletons. Um, I tried, uh, I tried just uh, running past them, and uh, uh, that led me to this, uh, you know, the the giant king of the skeletons who was at the very end of the uh, <laughs> of the graveyard. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, it was you know it was out of the frying pan and into the fire for me, um, and uh, then uh, yeah, after I think about a week of uh, of trying to get past this graveyard, I emailed you and told you the skeletons were too difficult, and I quit. Yes, uh, and uh, I um, you you I have the exact email here because I'm trying to remember how many exclamation points there were. Um, it's taking a minute to come up. Um, but yes, you're 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 very very uh, frustrated at that point. Yes, here we are. I can't get past the graveyard of skeletons. One exclamation point. All caps. I quit. Four exclamation points. Um, so a real cry from the void. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and yeah, and I emailed you. Uh, look for an aqueduct. I forget what I said back, but essentially just a very. Uh, a prodding uh, to go, yeah, try in some other direction. 
And yeah, and I think that's, I mean, this is what I find interesting in a lot of ways and a little um, disheartening about the discourse around Dark Souls is I do feel like there's a certain self-fulfilling prophecy to that. You know, if everyone tells you a game is hard, uh, that will tunnel you into thinking you have to, like, you know, you were just thinking, oh, well, this is, you know, everyone said this game is hard. I guess I am not, you know, gamer enough or whatever um, to defeat this thing that it obviously wants me to defeat. When in fact, those skeletons are sort of just it saying, like, don't even, don't bother with this yet. Um, or you can, but, you know, you have to be, this should be your second or third playthrough, and now you're kind of breaking the normal sequence of things or whatever. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, I mean, uh, maybe even the majority of people uh, bang their heads against the skeletons for a while because they've been told, like, you know, well, this game's really hard. And, uh, and yeah, and you just don't think, oh, maybe this is it signaling, find an easier way. Well, uh, I'm, I am proud to say that in, uh, uh, you know, in one of my attempts, I actually did manage to, uh, defeat two skeletons. Nice. But that's, uh, you know, but that's just two of many that were in the graveyard. Um, I think, uh, last week you mentioned, uh, a strategy called kiting, and uh, I I actually used kiting to lure one of the skeletons away uh, and uh, get it to follow me into that uh, that sort of um, uh, f- you know flooded temple area. And yeah, and then you you defeated it in mano e mano combat. Yes, excellent. Yeah, I mean it's actually a good way to practice against those sorts of enemies. Um, and yeah, you'll 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 come back and you'll wreak your revenge on the skeletons. I I, I vow to you. <laughs> uh, did, so did you grab? I mean, the other thing with the graveyard, even if it is, um, you know, you're like, if I start the game again and I'm like, well, I don't want to try to go this way. I'm not skilled enough to defeat them all or whatever. Uh, you can still run in and grab a lot of those treasures and then just die, um, and you still have the treasures. Uh, I believe, uh, I believe I did grab whatever treasures I could when I, when I ran through. But nothing that, uh, leapt out at you is like, oh, I got one of those. Uh, no. Uh, I don't know. Is, is there something valuable in there? Um, there's a bunch of things that are at least kind of neat. Uh, I'm not saying go all the way back there. And, but yeah, you know, that again, just as I said in the beginning of the episode, you know, keep in mind that if you got nothing, you got nothing to lose. Um, and that and that once you grab a thing, you've got it forever. Um, unless it's a consumable thing, you know, then you eat it and it's gone. Yes. And yeah, speaking of consumables, one thing that you've been picking up a bunch of that maybe is not well explained. Uh, have you picked up like, I don't know, the soul of a lost soldier or things like that? Oh, know? yeah. I still don't understand what that is. I've picked up uh, souls of lost soldiers, but uh, I still haven't figured out uh, what those do or how to use them. All right. So this will be uh, one of my little fun lessons. Uh, uh, soft versus hard souls, uh, which is basically... Right, that you're going to use those souls that you pick up by killing stuff that go in your little tally on the bottom, I think, right of the screen, um, you know, to level up or buy things, right? Uh, and they, and if you die, you drop them and you have to go pick them up again, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, those treasure items are basically souls that because they're items you can't lose and then you pop them to gain a bunch of souls 
right before you sit down at a bonfire and level up or right before you want to buy an item. Ah. Um, so, yeah, they're risk-free souls as long as you don't pop them uh, when you shouldn't, you know, when you're just out in the field instead of about to use them. Okay. So, yeah, you can save them. They're often very useful for like, oh, I'm just 300 souls away from having enough to level up, you know, so you can make up the difference with one of them. I see. Um, but, yeah, and they're, right, they're the standard, uh, as I said, that sort of pretty good uh, dead-end item where it's like, oh, okay, I got one of these. That's nice. Um, so let's see. So, so, right, so at this point, you know, you've been, you've been stymied by the skeletons. I've told you about the aqueduct, and you head up that way. But maybe that's actually a good point to stop because we have been recording for about an hour. Okay. Um, so... Let's, yeah, let's call it a session here. Okay. Uh, and then we will start talking about your trek to Undead Berg the next time. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, any, let's, let's, so final thoughts on, you know, really all we, we just talked about sort of that, that opening area of Feral and Shrine, but in terms of your overall impressions, in terms of, I don't know, you know, you're a cartoonist, you look at a lot of graphic design, you know, graphic styles, you think, you know, sort of aesthetically, even outside of gameplay, like, how does the vibe of the game strike you? Oh, I loved, I love the area. Um, I loved, uh, yeah, I loved just uh, kind of peeking out over the, you know, over the edge of the gorge and, you know, looking down at the city or, you know, trying to angle my camera uh, so I could see up as high as possible, see if anything, if there's anything uh, at the top of the mountain and, uh yeah, it was, uh, it, you know, it was terrific. I love, you know, I love the whole look of the, uh, kind of the, uh, you know, the ruins of this, uh, of this shrine that was overgrown with moss and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, yes, I, I would say it was, it, it was a, a great place to be. It was, uh, up until that point, uh, my favorite part <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Um, you can certainly see why, I mean, it makes perfect sense that Ben Catmull, uh, would have been instant. I mean, he was in on that game way before I was. I think he had the import copy of Demon Souls and anyone who's seen Ben's, uh, comics. Um, I mean, they're, they're totally different, but they have a, a, you know, a very smart and spooky vibe to them. Um, that, you know, I can see him, his antenna being very sharply attuned to when that game first came out. Yes. Oh. Um, all right. Uh, well, we have no questions because uh, for the very legitimate reason that we have not put the first podcast up yet. So uh, nobody nobody actually knows this exists. Um, but if you do have any questions, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Jason Shiga or Jesse Fuchs, both, uh, you know, one word, no underscore, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, thank you to our sponsors, uh, the comics of Jason Shiga. Um, and uh, yeah. I don't know. You've got any 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 final thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, go to the aqueduct. That's what that would be my advice to uh to yes. beginning players. Yes, that is good, and that's good life advice. Don't fight the you know if the skeletons have killed you over and over and over. Maybe you don't need to fight the skeletons. Maybe yes. there's an aqueduct. Maybe. I'll, I'll leave you uh, with those with those deep thoughts. All right. Have a great one, Jace, and I will talk to you soon. Okay. Until next time. Bye-bye. Until next time. Bye-bye.